With my whole heart, I will sing your praises. With my whole heart, Lord, you know my heart. And you know that you are in it and love me so much. Just like he loves all of you here. Alpha Street, it is good to be before you this evening. I was about to say morning, but there is morning, there is morning tomorrow. <laughs> and morning is coming, amen. Thank you, GIs, for bringing us to the throne of grace this evening. And singing with your whole heart. Uh, there are some people here that tried to surprise me. And I see a few of them on this side. My family is here. And I don't necessarily get to see them when I preach. So I am grateful to God for bringing you all here um, in support. And just so you all know, if y'all don't say nothing, they will. And I'm all right with that. To my pastor um, in his absence, um, who I'm sure will be preaching up a storm tomorrow, I greet you, sir, because I know you're watching. In the name of Jesus. And to thank you for this opportunity to stand um, behind this sacred desk and for giving me a chance in 2010 um, when you did not know me from Adam and brought me in on as, as an intern. And I interned for two years. And after I graduated two weeks later, they hired me. So I am grateful to God for open doors and um, open hearts. Amen. There is a word from the Lord, people of God. So if you would please stand with me and turn to the book of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, and it is a familiar passage. When you have it, say amen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. 
and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was, to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And as you take your seats, I want you to meditate on the title, Well Wishes. Well Wishes. Lord, this is your servant, your daughter coming upon you, coming to your throne of grace. Steady her voice. Speak through her, God. Let the people show and see her heart that is for you. Where she is weak, make her strong. Hide her behind your cross. And if a little bit of her pokes out, may it be in your will. And if not, cover her. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. How many of you all like gumbo? Hallelujah. Never tried until I was an adult and I fell in love with it instantly. For those of you who do not know about it and never tried it, it is a stew out of the South and famed out of New Orleans. It has many ingredients and when done right, takes forever to cook. Seafood gumbo, my favorite, has whatever seafood you want in it, chicken, hot sausage, onions, garlic, okra, etc., all served over rice. I said I wanted to watch it being made, but when you go downstairs into the kitchen, Reverend Marla is going to put you to work. The foundation is what they call a roux with butter, flour, seasonings, etc., and you are stirring that thing forever. I stirred so long my arms began to hurt until she told me to stop so she could begin to put in the other ingredients. Afterwards, with some more stirring, mixing it, making sure the roux goes through every ingredient, bringing the ingredients from the bottom to the top over and over again, from the bottom to the top. Here in this text, you have a similar stirring. The text talks about the stirring of the waters, which brought about healing to those infirmed at a pool called Bethesda, which had five porches at the sheep's gate. Bethesda can also be referred to as Bethsaida, meaning house of fish. Along the four or five porches of the pool were the infirmed. A multitude lie in wait in the pursuit of their healing. They knew where to go and knew how to get it. They put themselves in position for their healing. It was up to time and chance, and it is said that an angel comes down to the stir of the water, but no one knew when the water would move. 
A servant of the divine was sent and stirred the water at a certain time. Don't know how many times a day, if it was daily, monthly, annually, etc. But when it stirred, healing took place. The text says the first one in the pool, while the stirring occurs, is healed. This left me with many questions. Why the stirring? Why only the first one? Why not all be made well? Is there some sort of privilege taking place? Who gets priority and proximity? Many questions and no answers. All that matters is that healing takes place. The text says that there was a man who had been sick 38 years. It doesn't say that he was there for 38 years, just that he was sick for 38 years. Was it from birth? Was he 38 years old? How long had he really been there? What kind of illness? Other translations imply that it was a mobility infirmity. How did he get there then? How did he and others survive there? Food had to be given to them. Did they go home in between or did they lie in wait because their chance could come at any time? Once again, more questions. But Jesus shows up and stirs the pot. Why did Jesus come there? The text says there was a celebration of festival going on in Jerusalem. So why did he go to the pool where the sick people were? He was not sick. The infirmed were deemed as unclean, and anyone near them or touched them would also be deemed unclean. Did he go fishing in the fish house? All these questions don't matter because Jesus met the man where he was, just as he was, and strikes up a conversation with him. He asked the most poignant question in this passage. Do you want to be made well? It's a simple question. It should be obvious. A man, you know, he was there at the pool <laughs> and had been there for quite some time. Isn't it obvious that he don't want to be sick no more? Do you really want it? Some of us can be complacent in our sickness. It becomes a part of you, your identifier. We've been sick and suffering for so long, we don't know another way to be. Our existence has been to suffer all the days long. I don't know what wellness feels like. I don't know what wellness entails. Fear cre creeps in because wellness is a foreign entity. I ain't been well for years. I've been in the same place for years. I've been living with this toxicity for years. I've been in this mindset for years. I've been in this relationship situationship for years. But do you want it? Do you want to be made well? You need to decide today. Do you want to be made well? Yes or no? See or no? We or no? Dark or nine? High or bungo? Yebod or cha? Yay or nay? Yeah or no? In any language and in any dialect, it means the same thing. Yes or no? 
You have to choose what you want. Do you want to be made well? Meaning there is some responsibility on your part and actions you will need to take in order to become well. You will have to do your part. You will have to be an active participant in your healing. Do you want it? The man said, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water stirs. People get in front of me every time. I don't know another way to be, but I do know there's got to be more out there for me than this. So I wait by the pool and hope for someone else to bring me to wellness, to bring me to wellness. I needed help, but everyone was out for themselves. I can never catch a break. But the man never answered the question. He told Jesus his actions and why healing never occurred, but never answered yes or no. Just like this man, we need to decide if we want healing and then be active participants in our healing. Well, preacher, how do I get well? How can I be an active participant in my healing? Well, I'm glad you asked. In the text, Jesus answers the man with three imperatives, three commands. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Rise, get up from here. Rise above the circumstance you're in. Rise because you can't stay in the condition you're in. <clears throat> Rise because I am giving you the authority and the opportunity to do so. Rise because you have something else to do and your head and heart must be lifted to see your future. Rise above everyone who discounted you, did you dirty, and drove past you when you were ailing, kicking you when you were down. Wave to your haters on the way up wishing them well, forgiving them along the way because the weight of not forgiving will keep you stuck and I need you to keep rising. Rise because you were once lost and now I found you and chose you for my will. Oh, to be chosen and plucked out, saved by God. Salvation showed up in the middle of this man's despair. And Jesus said, rise. Rise because you will be my walking and talking miracle. Rise because I am using you so that others may see your healing and believe. Rise for work, new opportunities, new outlook on life and fullness of joy. There is joy when you rise because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I have given you strength in your body and your mind to rise. Rise. Rise and take up your bed. Take up your bed. Put away the thing that you were relying on to give you comfort while you waited. Put away the thing that was making the ground comfortable. You're rising. 
Muhammad Ali said, the ground is no place for a champion. And you have overcome and defeated so many things. Take up your bed that, that was germ-filled when you were sick, wet because of your tears, soiled because of your sorrow. Take it up because you are not chained to it and it does not give you comfort anymore. Take it up because you are no longer held in one spot. You have the ability to go where you please and where I send you. Take up your bed because you only need it for rest, not to rely on and not as a fallback plan. Take it up, fold it up, put it away. You don't need it now. You don't need it now. So rise, take up your bed, and walk. 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 Walk into the new life I'm giving you. Walk through the open doors I set before you. Walk because you can and, I ha and have the ability to do so. Walk because it's healthy for your mind, body, and soul. Walk because it strengthens your legs that will take you to new heights. Walk and let your friends and colleagues see it so they can know their blessing is right around the corner. Walk and let your frenemies and enemies see you so that they can know there is mercy and grace that abound and hope for new starts. Walk with your head held high with confidence but without arrogance, conceit, stuck-upness, or opportunism on your mind. Walk because your walking can turn into running, and you can run and tell what the Lord has done for you. Walk believing in me and that you are healed from whatever ailed you. Rise, because I'm about to be put to death, put in a grave, then rise on the third day. Take up your bed because on that third day, I'm folding up my grave clothes and leaving them there. Walk because I'm walking out of that grave, regenerated, renewed, refreshed, walking in the newness of life, then returning to eternity where I started. Rise, take up your bed and walk because you are showing people what I'm about to do. Not only for you, not only to save you, but to save them too. Show them what's coming. Show them I'm coming to put an end to things and settling the score. Show them the ground can't hold me and it's no place for a champion. I will defeat death, hell, and the grave in three days, then come back even more powerful than before. Show them what's coming and tell them I'm coming with all power in my hands. And the text said, the man was healed instantly rose, took up his bed and walked. And as he was walking, he runs into some Jewish leadership who begin to chastise him. Ain't it just like a hater to show up in the middle of your triumph? The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. 
it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Because carrying things was considered work and there is no working on the Sabbath. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. He was overlooked by others for so long. They didn't see the man, they saw his ailment, which is why the Jews did not recognize him. You know when people see you how they are used to seeing you? They have already put you in a box and you can't be anything else but what they think you are, what you used to be and what they want you to be. The expectation is that you are sick and will always be. You are beneath them and will always be. You are out of their context and anything else is unrecognizable because they never really knew you in the first place. When you step out of their context, it is a threat to their psyche because you are not supposed to be that. You are not supposed to be there. You are not supposed to get that degree. You are not supposed to lose weight. You are not supposed to get that job. You are not supposed to. I'm sorry, you're not capable of getting it. He told them, he had been healed, but they ignored the victory. They did not rejoice with him. They refused to acknowledge his success, but pointed out his failure. He also told them it wasn't them that healed him. It ain't you. It never was about you. Somebody who saw me and my ailment cared and did something about it. That's the person who healed me. He knew me, and, but I didn't know him. Never asked him his name because it didn't matter. The one who told me to take up that thing that I no longer needed, that was keeping me down on the ground, the person thing that no longer served my well-being, and then he told me to walk into the newness of life, not you, or your judgment. Not you, who was fine when I was ailing. But I'm here to tell you one moment in his presence and I was never the same. He changed my whole life. You don't recognize me because I'm out of your context of being sick. Your context is not my context and praise God that it is not God's context either. You see me as small and insignificant. What you see is not what I see of myself, and what I see of myself is still significantly smaller than what God sees me as. He sees me as the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, greater than any little piece of your little mind and your eyes can see. You don't want me to be great, but you don't even know what greatness looks like but I'm about to show you. Watch me walk and be great. Watch me walk and be great. But the Lord has a way of switching the order around and turning things upside down. He said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. 
sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. That kind of threw me, I, you know, <laughs> Jesus, you a hater too? Um, thank you for my healing, and um, we don't want no worse thing. I, I, don't, I don't want it, and um, thank you. You have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus found the man again. It's the second time he found him. A second encounter with God. Right in front of you. Talking. The one who made me well is talking to me. And I am not insignificant. I am not small. He chose me to speak to once again and recognize his physical wellness. He wasn't just concerned with the man's physical well-being, but also the spiritual well-being. For his ailment was not due to sin. Bad things happen to good people all the time. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. <clears throat> things happen. But Jesus tells the man to sin no more, addressing his spiritual health. Now that you are walking in newness, you cannot go on doing the same things you were doing from your old life that made you spiritually sick. That weighed your spirit and your soul down. Or else you'll be back on the ground where I brought you out from. The worst thing to come upon you is not karma. <clears throat> Getting back the negative things you sowed, the worst thing is not that. The worst thing is not becoming physically ill again. It's being outside the will of God and not receiving or feeling that you are worthy of forgiveness from God, which is eternal suffering. Eternal suffering. Not feeling the forgiveness. Not feeling his presence. I can't feel you. I can't see you. I can't touch you. Eternal suffering. Because being outside is cold. Being outside is lonely. Being outside, there's no love. The love that makes you warm. The love that found him at the pool. The one, uh, the love that found him at the temple. The warmth of that love that surrounded him with just words because he never touched him. 
he spoke over him. Spoke to his ailment. Spoke to the body. Spoke to his spirit. Spoke to his mind and said, rise. Take up your bed and walk. Not living in your forgiving state. While others watch and turn towards sin, that is the worst thing. The worst thing is not coming into the newness of life. That's the worst thing. But there's good news. Because all of the things that the Jesus told the man to do, <clears throat> he did for us. Jesus rose. He died and rose. Got up out of the grave left his grave clothes there, walked out of it, and said, I did it for you. Not for me. The selflessness. Because we can be selfish, can't we? We can be opportunists, can't we? We can push other people out the way to get into the pool, can't we? But Jesus did it for us, not for himself. Because he's returning to eternity, he, returning to eternity where he started. He is a word. And he spoke words. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. To save you and me for eternal life. And there may be one this morning, this evening, looking to come out of the cold, sick of suffering wanting to participate in their own healing, coming today to get to know this Jesus that spoke a word and heals with all of us standing all over the building. Lord, we love you and we adore you. And we thank you, Lord God, for your healing power for the ways that you've made, for knowing us before we knew ourselves. And as we stand here, we pray, Lord, as our deacons come, that you would prick the hearts of those who are here and remind them that you are a healer for every ailment that they have. In the name of Jesus, we pray.